1: Sports Yak podcast brought to you by Look Trailers. Searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. Located only 24 minutes from Goshen, 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Visit looktrailers.com. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer.
3: Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports, it's sports, it's sports
4: Welcome to episode three hundred and fifteen of the Sports Yak podcast. Oh, you mean the Home Run Baker episode? Home Run Baker. Now, Home Run Baker did not hit three hundred and fifteen home runs. In fact. He had more doubles and triples in his career than he had home runs. Home run Baker only hit 99 home runs. So why are we listing him in episode 315? Why? Because he had 315 doubles in his career. (laughs) That's kind of a cool stat. And I want to know why he wasn't called doubles Baker. Yeah, why home run? Well, because back in the day, and he played well before Babe Ruth, Back in the day, at one time, he was the all time home run champion. And then he got replaced by a man named Roger Connor. And Roger Connor's record was b- broken by a man named Babe Ruth. That one lasted a little bit longer than Home Run Baker's. In fact, Home Run Baker became jealous of Babe Ruth, apparently, because he was hitting so many home runs.
1: Yeah, that'll happen.
4: And. Of course, they didn't call him Home Run Ruth because, well, that nickname had already been used. <laughs> so, episode 315 to Home Run Baker, but not because of home runs. Family
2: Broadcasting Corporation, well, the going wild. in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents oh Sports Yak. Oh One host knows sports, and who's right there? the other doesn't know sports, but... Somehow, they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! Good! It's good! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just
4: got a letter. Wonder who it's from. Oh, I can't tell you how many times i heard that in my youthful days as a parent. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that
1: show was on a lot. And what was that young boy's name that sang well, that? That was Steve. Steve. Lose Clues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk with the GM of the South Bend Cubs, Joe Hart, here in a few minutes. But first, three hundred and fifteen episodes. Our first physical letter. Yes. Written to us, handwritten. By the way, fun fact: this is number five of the personal handwritten letters I got yesterday. Wow! I got, I got four from four different artists that we serve over on sure. the radio station, and then you walked with this one, and I thought someone's
4: trying to send me a message that personal
1: handwritten letters are still a big
4: deal. It's absolutely the truth. If you get a personal handwritten note from somebody, it carries a lot of weight.
1: I dare say, had this not been given to us like this, I wouldn't even. I, we would have moved on. But let's give Eddie some props. Okay, uh, Corey and Chuck. On one of your recent Sports Yak podcasts, I heard you guys talking about Old Hoss Redboard. Oh, one of my faves. I didn't have one of those $900 cards that Corey found online, but I did have this one. He sent us an actual card. Yeah, how about that? I thought you guys might enjoy it. It would make for a nice piece for the studio. Also wanted to let you know how much I enjoy the episodes. I look forward to new episodes each week, your different perspectives and insights. <laughs> he said insights are fun to listen to the range of topics you cover is perfect for any sports fan keep up the good work that is eddie thank uh, you eddie p.s madison Baumgartner threw a no hitter i don't care what mlb says you're darn right eddie you're darn right uh i'm ready as i was reading this i came up with my overrated underrated so i had to, oh, I had good. to jot that down
4: we have a new game that we're gonna play today too oh
1: i'm excited yeah well let's get into it we got a lot to cover today
4: So for the first time in 20 months, first time in 600 days, minor league baseball played at Four Winds Field last night as they raised the banner to salute the 2019 Midwest League champions. And you might say, well, why did they wait so long? There wasn't a season last year, so that was the earliest that they could do it. And the South Bend Cubs are back in business, back playing ball at Four Winds Field 2,565, the announced attendance last night because of social distancing, not because of lack of interest. And the Soppen Cubs break open a 4-4 tie in the eighth, and they beat Quad Cities by a count of 7-4. to Delvin in that's a familiar name. He played on that 2019 Midwest League Championship team. He had the go-ahead hit in the eighth, so the home fans walk home happy. And you know what? That's the way it should work. Every team should win their home opener so that the fans who come out are inspired to come back.
1: Speaking of fans, I follow the South Bend Cubs on Twitter. I saw a lot of Star Wars paraphernalia for uh, May the Fourth, of course. Sure, I actually saw some great Star Wars related uh, baseball jerseys, which I think they did a couple years back. They did at Four Winds Field.
4: You I know, love when that. The season would start back in early April. By the time you get to May Fourth. Things are kind of in the swing. Yeah, people are getting used to going to the ballpark, and they would break out the Star Wars themed jerseys for the South Bend Cubs. But man, it is—it's good to have the senses of normalcy returning. And and I think that's one of them for this community, is South Bend Cubs baseball. In fact, why don't we just get Joe Hart? on the show right now.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's take a 30-second timeout when we come back. Joe Hart from the South Bend Cubs.
2: Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just nine minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everly Trailers. Fly online at looktrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity employer. Certainly a lot of excitement
4: in town as the South Bend Cubs have now returned to the field. And Joe Hart, who wears so many titles, I don't know where to begin. I guess he is uh, El presidente these days over at Four Winds Field for the South Bend Cubs, joins us. And Joe, I imagine the excitement level for you of finally having your team back in the ballpark for the first time in two years has got to be uh, insurmountable.
5: Yeah, it's a great feeling. I tell you what, Uh, you know, as much as I love being the site B alternate site last year and then doing it for the month of April uh, again, there was nothing better than Saturday when you see our own guys walk into the complex Um, because, you know, it's it's for real now it's happening and. We're going to be ready to go. I mean, it's been 600 days since we've played a baseball game, a South Bend Cubs game uh, at Four Winds Field. So very much looking forward to it.
1: Joe, as a fan, I went to one of those alternate – both Chuck and I were at, at yeah. the game. It was uh, Cubs and Tigers? No. Yes, Cubs and White Sox. White Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do fans need to know tonight and the season that's a little bit different that it would help them on their way to the game in maneuvering how the park works?
5: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is obviously we have some social distancing in the ballpark. Um, You know, when fans buy their tickets, they're going to have for a specific section that they pick, but there won't be a row and a seat. So what we've been given is X number of tickets per section. So we're making each section general admission, so to speak. So if you have tickets in 109, you can sit anywhere in 109. Um, So that was the easiest way to handle the social distancing uh, from a seating aspect Um, Also, when you come into the ballpark and we're walking around, you'll need to wear a mask. Um, You can not wear a mask when you're uh, actively eating or drinking. And, you know, the biggest thing is just, you know, we're asking our fans to have a little patience. This is going to be kind of our first time doing this um, with a crowd this size. I I anticipate we're going to be around 3,000 people, um, you know, for most games over the course of the summer, especially on the weekend dates. And, you know, it's You know, I think things will change as we go throughout the summer, but at least initially, that's kind of what we're going with. We've had a lot of help from the health department. They've been phenomenal to work with and allowing us to do what we're able to do for this year.
1: When I park, am I walking in one gate in particular or
5: all the gates open, usually are open? Yeah, we'll have all the gates open, A and B, which are behind home plate, and then uh, center field gate, uh, the main walkway in between both uh, the apartment buildings out there will be open. So, yeah, we'll have three gates open. Just like normal, we'll have uh, our folks that do bag checks if if you have bags with you, um, and then you can come on in, enjoy some nice South Bend Cubs baseball. How did they come to the figure of about three thousand folks? So basically, we're at fifty percent capacity. So uh, with social distancing, so they kind of based off the largest crowd that we've ever had, which was a little over eight thousand. Um, however, you know you can't have fifty uh, percent in the seating bowl and still socially distance. So it actually comes in you know, a little less than 50%, but some of our other areas like the group areas are pretty much normal. Um, you know, the suites are pretty much normal because again, they were, you know, they've said that, uh, you know, people are coming as a group. They're almost like private parties. Um, but our biggest thing is just have plenty of, uh, hand sanitizer stations everywhere, which, you know, that was kind of one of the things we had done all that stuff even prior to this happening. Um, so that wasn't really out of the norm. We're just going to have more of them, but, uh, Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, and uh, but you know, I think I think the fans understand some of the things they have to do just to be able to be out here, and you know, we'll work with them, and we just ask them to work with us. You are now
4: a high A ball club as opposed to what you were the last time that we saw South Bend Cubs baseball in the Midwest League. How has that changed
5: things? I think the biggest thing is I think our fans will see probably a little bit better talent of baseball, uh, only in the sense that when we were the low A, you know, a lot of these kids, it was their first professional experience. Um, so, and you'd have some kids, honestly, that never make it out of low A uh, in advance. So they kind of wash out at that level. Well, now you're going to have kids that have at least played well at low A baseball to get the promotion to come to us. So I think you'll see a little bit better talent. Um, but the exciting thing for us is we have 14 guys that are back this year that are on that 2019 Midwest League championship team. So I think that's going to be fun as we celebrate, you know, um, that championship with a lot of the giveaways that we're doing this year. Opening night, we're going to have the uh, Midwest League flag, championship flag ceremony. So it'll be good to do that with a lot of the guys here that helped us win that championship.
4: And the one thing I noticed when I looked at your roster is the age of the players has gone up considerably. Your youngest player now is this 21-year-old phenom, Burrell Calloway, who I'm looking forward to seeing pitch. But you've got quite a few 25- and 26-year-olds on the team.
5: Yeah, and that's not the norm. I mean, when we were low A, usually you're typically, your oldest guy might be 23. So, yeah, and you know you figure all these guys lost a year last year. So,
4: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to pick up. As far as, Corey mentioned the fan experience, anything new at the ballpark? I know you guys always prided yourself on some new food item or something like that. Is there anything new for the fans?
5: No, I think the main thing is, you know, we're going to just continue to work on great customer service. I think our thing is just providing everything that we've always done and uh, do it extremely well. There have been no... Major construction projects, I think, with the year of COVID and us being kind of down almost completely for the year. Um, it's just really trying to relearn what we used to do well and make sure that we are still doing it well uh, when fans come out. So, you know, we're still doing the firework shows. We got 15 firework shows. We're still giving away flat screen uh, TVs every Saturday night. So the fan experience will not go down uh, from what we've done in the past. I mean, I know a lot of teams out there. They're cutting back on the number of shows. They're not doing as many giveaways because they're trying to, you know, continue limping through, you know, the pandemic and the issues that that has and cause for them. But for us, we made the decision as an organization that, you know, nothing's going to be cut back. We're not doing anything that way. It's fans have come to know and love South Bend Cubs baseball and what they expect. And that's what we're going to continue to do.
1: I got my ticket online. I walked up to the uh, front gate, and she uh, had her little technology beep me in. It was super easy, hands-free, basically, and uh, found my seat and had a great time. So here's more of that this season, huh?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I just look forward to seeing fans back out at the ballpark.
4: All right. Terrific, Joe. We appreciate you taking some time. We know it's a busy time trying to get the ballpark ready. And, And one thing fans should also realize is, six-game series, six-game homestands are kind of the norm this year, aren't they?
5: Yeah, you know, what they wanted to do is make it uh, so there was less travel amongst the league because of uh, COVID. So, you know, there'd be times in the past we'd have a three-game homestand or a four-game homestand, um, you know, different team would roll in as, as the ex- uh, previous one would leave. Uh, that's not the case anymore. We'll play six-game homestands, it'll be the same team all six games. So, you know, that'll be a little bit different, but, you know, it'll probably be a little bit more easier to control, uh, obviously, with less travel and less teams coming in and out over the course of the year.
4: And of course, the best way to get tickets online at southbendcubs.com, you can always call the ballpark as well, 574-235-9988. The number has not changed, correct?
5: No, that is That is it. That is... Dialing for tickets. That's the easiest way to do it.
4: I remember dialing that number way back when they were the South Bend White Sox when they first came to town, trying to find out scores yeah. of games. So it's a little bit different now. Joe, thanks
5: a lot. Good luck this season. Thank you very much. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks to the fans out there and looking forward to.
2: Look Trailers is searching for dedicated people to join their team. They're hiring immediately for skilled positions, including welders, starting at $21 to $25 per hour. If you're looking for work in a great atmosphere that's focused on safety, working smart, and bettering the team every day, then Look Trailers is for you. They're located only 24 minutes from Goshen and just 9 minutes from White Pigeon, Michigan. Their family of brands include Look Trailers, Pace American, Cargo Express, and Everline Trailers. Fly online at LookTrailers.com today. Look Trailers is an equal opportunity. Employer.
4: Now, we've heard all about the South Bend Cubs. The situation in front of the Chicago Cubs yesterday was daunting. They put Jake Arietta on the injured list for 10 days. He's got, like, an abrasion on his finger, which makes it kind of tough to grip the baseball. Nico Horner is on the injured list for 10 days. He really hurt his forearm in a collision with Ian Happ out in center field in Sunday's game in Cincinnati. Mm. So you're looking at that, and then you see that the defending World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers are coming to town, and the two guys that they're throwing at you in the doubleheader are Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer. Clayton Kershaw has three Cy Young Awards. Trevor Bauer is the reigning Cy Young Award winner. You know, when you
1: have that coming to town, Chuck, is that almost like sending a signal, this is who we are having throw against you?
4: Well, it's their turn in the rotation. It's a rotation thing.
1: Right. I was just curious if it was like, let's send Chicago a message.
4: Well, I, I'm sure that would have been the intent of the L.A. Dodgers yesterday. But lo and behold, the Chicago National League Ball Club, maybe inspired by Mark McGill on the PA mic, comes up with its first doubleheader sweep of the Dodgers since... July seventh, nineteen seventy one. Wow! First time in fifty years that the Cubs have swept a doubleheader from the Dodgers. Kyle Hendricks was magnificent yesterday. Cubs got four in the first in the opener. David Bode a bases loaded double, and they beat the Dodgers seven to one. And then in the nightcap, they get a one nothing lead. They've got it until the seventh. Remember, doubleheaders are seven inning games. Craig Kimbrell gives up a game-tying home run to Max Muncy in the seventh. And that's when Uncle Chuck turned out the lights because it was time to go to bed. Woke up this morning and find out that the Cubs on a David Bode walk-off hit in the ninth, win it 4-3. They had to rally in the eighth, Javi Baez with a game-tying two-run homer, and then they win it in the ninth, 4-3. Double header sweep for the Cubs. The W flag flies outside Cross Creek Court.
1: What does that do for a Chicago team uh, that's been on a little bit of a <clears throat> streak, you know, winning against the Dodgers two in a
4: row? Yeah, you, you sweep a doubleheader from that franchise for the first time in 50 years, the first time that the Cubs have swept a doubleheader against the defending World Series champions since 1980. I mean, that's, that's a big lift for this team, especially because after Hendricks, they started this relative unknown named Keegan Johnston. Who threw three and two thirds innings again against the defending World Series champs? Didn't give up any runs, and you pieced together a pretty good pitching performance. That was that's a big boost for this team. Can it spur momentum? We'll see. You got to throw Adbert Alzalay today against Walker Buehler. Walker Buehler, really good pitcher for the Dodgers. So we'll see what happens tonight. But at the very least, the Cubs are going to win the series against the Dodgers, and kind of vault themselves with a little momentum back into at least an interesting position in the NL Central. Take me cross down. What's up with the White Sox? Holy cow, what a night for Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease of the White Sox was the starter and pitcher last night against the Reds. Six innings, one hit ball, struck out 11. But more impressively, Dylan Cease had never batted in a professional game. They're playing at Cincinnati, so they go by National League rules, and the National League does not have a designated hitter. So for Dylan Cease's first three professional plate appearances, he goes double, single, single. Three for three in his first pro game at the plate. That hadn't happened since 1945 with a pitcher named uh, Rick Ferris, I believe. And the White Sox pound the Reds by a of 9 nothing, which is a really good boost for the White Sox because, as we had discussed Monday, that Luis Robert injury that happened over the weekend was as bad as we feared it might be. He tore his hip flexor. He's out at least until August. They might lose him for the whole season. So the White Sox, who went into the season with this dynamic outfield featuring the Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, they've lost both of them. And you just wonder if they've got what it takes to make the push that they'll have to make in the AL Central. But the pitching has held up pretty well for the White Sox. If you look at their runs allowed so far this season, very good. And Cease gave them a great outing last night, so that's good news for the for the pale hose.
1: I guess he gave him a cease and desist on those hits, didn't he, Chuck? Morning, Corny at fifty. I was today years old when I learned that the National League has different rules than the American League. Mm-hmm. There's no designated hitter in the National
4: League. The pitcher bats in the National
1: League. But not in the American... Why is that not aligned on both sides? Well, it was last year. Oh, for, this is new? For the
4: pandemic. No. So, oh, okay. The designated hitter was put into the American League in 1973 as a way of trying to generate more offense into the game.
1: Because they thought that's what this league is lacking is offense. Okay.
4: The National League said, we don't want that. Wow. And it has been that way ever since until last year when during the pandemic they used a DH so that players, teams had bigger rosters anyway, so it's like here's a way to get more players involved that are in this game. Now baseball has gone back to – The National League has its own rules. The American League has its own rules. So when two teams from opposite leagues play, the White Sox and the Reds, whoever the home team is, it goes by their rules. Okay. So the White Sox playing by National League rules this week, which means the pitchers have to bat. When uh, the Cubs go on the road here in a little bit and play the Indians and the Tigers, they'll be playing by American League rules. That means they'll have a designated hitter for the pitchers. Now, there's nothing to say that you're, you know, if you have a really good hitting pitcher, a perfect example would be Shohei Ohtani of the Angels. Shohei Ohtani is a pitcher every fifth day, but the other days he's typically the DH. Well, it's not unusual for Shohei Ohtani on the day that he's pitching to also bat in the lineup. He's the rarity these days in the American League.
1: Let me open up Pandora's box, maybe, maybe
4: not. Your opinion on that rule. I prefer the National League style of baseball. I prefer that uh, you have to use pinch hitters and pitching changes and double switches and things like that. I think it makes for a more interesting game. I know there are people out there who say it's not interesting when pitchers hit. And I get that. But on the other hand, I think there's more strategy involved in a National League game than there is in an American League game. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tigers. <laughs> the, the Tigers are still bad. Uh, Boston hit four homers last night and beat the Tigers 11-7. to seven. And they, as we mentioned last show, they were on pace to go 45-117 and 117 on the year, and they didn't help themselves in the win column last night. So the Tigers, they're bad. Um, let's talk a little bit about some high school baseball because there have been some interesting developments over the last few days in the conference races. On Tuesday night, or excuse me, on Monday night, uh, Plymouth beat Northridge 7-6 to and Northwood beat Goshen 9 nothing. Northwood started that day in third place in the conference. And by the time the dust settled, they were in first place in the NLC. So Northwood holding the cards there. In the NIC, interesting development. St. Joe led the Northern Indiana Conference going into the week. Jimtown knocked them off 9-2. So now John Glenn, which is 15-2 and overall, and Penn, whose overall record is less, but they probably play a more challenging schedule, are tied for the NIC lead. I think those two might be playing today for first place in the Northern Indiana Conference. So an interesting year of seeing high school baseball develop. And an interesting stat on one local high school player. There's a pitcher over at um, Goshen by the name of Reese Fisher. He's an outstanding pitcher. Sounds like a pitcher's name. Yeah, he's an outstanding pitcher. He's one of the state leaders in wins this year on the mound. But he's also a terrific all-around player, and he is sixth in the state in stolen bases. So we talk about pitchers who can hit. That would be Reese Fisher. He finds ways to get on base, and once he gets on base, he's dynamic and can make things happen. Also, congratulations to Grant Brooks of Wawa Sea. He's having a terrific season as well, and he, last night, made his commitment to play his college baseball at Butler University where he'll play for my old buddy Dave Schrag, the former Notre Dame head coach who's now the head coach at Butler.
1: You know, I want to talk a brief second about the power of words. If Chuck were to tweet, this is horrible, I'm probably going to just keep scrolling. But when Chuck tweets, this is beautiful, Hmm. I have to pause and go, what's he talking about? That video you retweeted about the announcer that's stepping down? From the Milwaukee Bucks. That was a wonderful video to watch, especially my son and I are.
4: Uh, sure. Fans.
1: <laughs> that was a good video. That was cool.
4: Well, and in case you missed it, so the, the broadcaster for the Milwaukee Bucks, the TV voice of the Bucks, and I don't want to get his name wrong. He's here, been there so for 35 years. 35 years, years and, and he did the games, I think. Mr. Jim. Still- Mr. Jim, uh, and I want to get his last name right. Yeah, uh, but anyway, Jim Pashke uh, has done Bucks games now for 35 years. Most of those years, doing it with John McLaughlin, who played on Milwaukee's uh, championship team back with Lou Alcindor, who became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, and and Jim, as you heard in that, has a great voice. Just a great. I think, a great love, not only of the game, but of humanity. One of the things that stood out to me in the interview that Giannis did with Jim, typically it's Jim asking Giannis the questions. This time it was Giannis asking Jim the questions. But one of the things that stood out was he talked about the culture of basketball and the diversity that he was exposed to. You know, he's a white guy from Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't, if if he lives a normal everyday, let's say Jim's an accountant in Wisconsin he might not encounter a very diverse culture. Mm -hmm. But being in the NBA, he gets to be around not only African Americans but international exposure. I mean, Giannis is from Greece, so he gets to learn about that culture. You have players that come in from Croatia or wherever. And to be around all those people and get to meet them and get to learn about their cultures – he says has really been the best thing about his announcing career.
1: Yeah, Giannis asked him something along the lines of your best moment or your best moment with me, and uh, they had celebrated thirty years of broadcasting. And uh, Jim got to bring his mother, and mm-hmm. then his mother met Giannis. Giannis kind of went out of his way to go shake Jim's hand and met the mom and said that was a big deal to her, and now that's all she talks about. I just it was a it was a really good video if you follow Chuck on forty six Sports on Twitter. Uh, take. I think it was five minutes. It was a good five minutes. Yeah. And I kind of became more of a Giannis fan of watching that. Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah. Just because of the way he comports himself during the interview. Yeah. And was was very respectful of this clearly older gentleman that is around the team and not dismissive of him at all. Talked about how much he enjoys being able to talk to him on a regular basis. Give me a quick glance at the NBA last night. Uh, the Pistons lose to the Hornets 10299. 99 Hornets really needed that game in order to uh, help their cause. There's a little bit of trouble brewing down in Indiana, and I had not heard about this until this morning, but Adrian Wojnarowski, who's known for his Woj bombs on Twitter, I'm sure Caleb has filled you in on those, <laughs> uh, he's reporting that the Pacers coach, Nate Bjorkgren, uh, might be in a little bit of job trouble, even though this is his first year with the ball club because I guess his communication style rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Oh, And so now, he sounds like he's willing to try to change it. However, the Pacers have not played well this year. They've they've had injury problems, no question. Uh, but they're in ninth place. They're probably going to wind up in this NBA play-in tournament. And you know, the Pacers, what, what's what been the rap on the Pacers all along? They can't win in the postseason. Well, Nate McMillan, who was the previous coach of the Pacers, has gone to Atlanta, and he's got the Hawks thriving. I mean, they're playing well in the Eastern Conference. They're not going to win the Eastern Conference, but they're playing well. Meanwhile, the Pacers continue to struggle. So you wonder if that's a little bit more of an organizational problem that they have there rather than... The coach. We'll see. Uh, the Blackhawks, by the way, have been eliminated, Corey. They're RC. out. They're out. Carolina beat them last night 6 3, and they will not be going to the postseason. The Red Wings will not be going to the postseason. Predators? The Predators look like they're still going to the postseason, which means that we will probably have <laughs> a Pete Weber interview later this <laughs> month, which we look forward to because Pete's a great guy. Uh, I was all, I was talking to high school sports. I don't. Yep. Have you ever been to a high school track meet? It's been a while. Been a long time, but you've been. I've been. Yes. They're one of my favorite things to go to because Why? there's always something going on. Okay. You know, if you're if you're in between the actual track events, maybe you can watch what's going on in the field. Did the events. kids uh, do tracking? Peter was a pole vaulter. Okay. Yeah.
1: No, um, I didn't ask you what your favorite poem was.
4: I asked you if the kids... <laughs> Peter was a pole vaulter. <laughs> yeah. So, last night, Rice Field, Elkhart and Penn. And you've got two of the fastest kids in the area going in the sprints, the 100 and the 200. Alec Hardrick from Penn, Derek Woods from Elkhart. Both were running backs on the football teams. And Derek Woods got the better of Alec Hardrick. In both the 100 and the 200 last night, 10.7 in the 100 for Derek Woods, 21.5 in the 200. Now to put that in perspective, okay, the state qualifying standard. It, it, in other words, the state, the IHSA says if you run this, you're coming to the state meet, whether whether you place in the top three of your regional or not. and Derek Woods last night ran a 21.5 I mean he was flying wheels around Rice Field and Alec Hardrick I believe was right at 22.0 so it's not like he was lagging behind by any means so those two should be interesting to watch as the conference championships approach next week and then the sectionals the week after that. Um, But Penn, as a team, was ranked number 13 in the state, and Elkhart beat them last night, 75-57. So that's a big win for the Lions. Most of the high school talk right now, Corey, has been about the IHSAA on Monday came out with realignment for sectionals in the fall and spring sports. And so the football sectionals – now – Folks, you got to remember, the IHSA, before they even did this little realignment exercise, said, hey, because of COVID, school enrollments were wild last year. You know, a lot of, a lot of people did homeschooling or whatever, so we don't have really accurate enrollment numbers. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to realign based on enrollment. It's going to be the previous enrollment numbers that we use, and then we'll still factor in. They have what's called a success factor. A team like Bishop Chittard in football, they win two state titles in a row at the 3A level. They get boosted up to 4A. Well, if you go up to the next level and you don't have that kind of success after two years, you come back down to the level you were at previously.
1: I feel like we've discussed this before. Yeah.
4: Success level. Right. Success factor.
1: It's a factor. Sorry. So.
4: The football tournament in 6A and 5A only has 32 teams. The other levels go with 64. And the reason is because there's such a, a spread between the enrollments of most of the schools in Indiana and those larger schools the, the Carmels, the Pens, the Elkharts, and things. So your Carmels, Pens, and Elkharts are up in 6A. Then you've got a level at 5A with Mishawakas and Concords and Goshen's. And then you come down to 4A in a kind of normal normalizes after that. Well, 6A only has 30 teams, and there's eight sectionals, which if you do the math is going to tell you there's going to be a couple sectionals that don't have four teams. One of those is Warsaw. Warsaw is in a sectional, very good sectional, with Homestead and Fort Wayne Carroll, but there's only three teams in that sectional, which means that depending on the draw, you may only have to win one game to win a sectional championship. And there's a lot of people that are like, this is wrong. This is... Well, folks, we're in the middle of a pandemic, okay? Calm down. So Warsaw got a break on that. Uh, Concord and Goshen definitely did not get breaks in 5A because one of the teams that came down from 6A because their success factor time was done was Fort Wayne Snyder. And they're really good. And they're in a sectional with Bishop Dwenger, who's also... Really good. And Concord and Goshen happen to be in that same sectional. Mishawaka's sectional has Michigan City, LaPorte, and South Bend Adams. Would seem to be that the Cavemen would probably be the favorite in that sectional, although Phil Mason has had some really good teams at Michigan City. Most of the other sectionals around here not affected in terms of football. The one big basketball development, Culver Academy, again, came down from the success factor. Remember they had those championship teams with Trey Galloway? Yes. Well, he's at Indiana now. Yep. They didn't do as well, and so they come back down to 3A, and they're intersectional with Knox, New Prairie, and a couple other schools from up in northwest Indiana. Those were the major developments, but to the people who are like, the IHSA doesn't know what they're doing. Calm down.
1: A uh, follow-up question. Was that a reenactment?
4: Yes. Okay.
1: I just want to make sure. Yeah. That wasn't real audio from a... It could have been. <laughs> it could have been. You became my son in a matter of seconds, and now you're back.
4: But before we do the Emmy Award-winning overrated, underrated, mm-hmm. I want to break out a new game. Today. This is exciting. Seattle Mariner or U.S. Olympic team member? <laughs> What's the origin of this, Chuck? See, the other day, the Seattle Mariners were involved in a game with the Baltimore Orioles. I care about the Baltimore Orioles because of my man, Trey Mancini. So I was looking at the box score, and I realized I don't know almost any of these people. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the Olympics are coming up, and they'll come your way in July on NBC. And I think it's good for us to get to know the Olympic athletes. But I think the challenge would be well, is this person an Olympic athlete or are they a member of the Seattle Mariners? Great game. So, Chris Flexen, is he an Olympic athlete or a Seattle Mariner? Mm. And, and here's the good news, folks you can play along at home. And I would, we're going to do six of these today. And I, Post your score at SportsYak with two Ks.
1: Uh, he is a Seattle Mariner.
4: He is the number four pitcher in the rotation for the Seattle Mariners. That's Congratulations, right. Chris Flexen.
1: I'm not using the internet. I'm using no. my instinct.
4: Ty France.
1: Oh, boy. That sounds like a baseball name, but it feels too izzy, too izzy shizzy,
4: Olympian. He is a Seattle Mariner. Oh! He is a Seattle Mariner Travis Jankowski baseball player he's a Mariner he's a baseball player but a U.S. Olympic baseball player not a Seattle Mariner Corey is still at one Jim Wade Jim Wade Mariner He is a canoeist on the U.S. (laughs) Olympic team. (laughs) Ah, he's a canoeist. Jim Wade. I've got three wrong. Yes, one and three right now. Taylor Abbott. Man, that sounds like a baseball name.
1: And you've given me a couple Olympians, so
4: Mariner. He is a swimmer on the U.S. (laughs) Olympic team, Taylor Abbott. Four wrong. And finally, Evan White. Evan White. Oh, that sounds Olympian. He's an infielder for the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this edition of Mariner or Olympian. Oh, we'll play again. I stink.
1: Let's segue into overrated, underrated. I heard her on a podcast uh, yesterday morning on the way into work, and I went, hmm, let's see. I give you Gwyneth Paltrow, underrated, underrated. Overrated.
4: I'm gonna go overrated.
1: Oscar winning, I know. Emmy award winning. Gwyneth Paltrow. What did she
4: win the Emmy for?
1: Uh, I'm gonna have to look that up because the announcer said that. I don't know what, but she won the uh, Academy Award for Shakespeare in Love. Right, that movie.
4: You, I remember hearing about it. I've never seen it.
1: Oh, you never seen that one?
4: No. Oh, it's delightful. Is it new? Boring. Um, she,
1: Academy Award for Shakespeare and Love, mm-hmm. uh, Golden Globe Best Actress, a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album for Children, please. Primetime Emmy for ex, uh, for a um outstanding guest actress in a comedy Glee in 2011. She also played Pepper Potts in the Marvel movies, of course, Tony Stark's uh, assistant-slash-wife, and, of course, the CEO of Goop. By the way, she was told in a, a, a moment of wisdom from another person, successful companies have two O's in their name, Google, Facebook. So they took her initials, GP, and put two O's in the middle, hence Goop. Well, because that's better than G-poo. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, it is. is it, or poog,
4: backwards? Yeah, could have been that.
1: You went overrated.
4: I did, because honestly, I mean, you tell me all this stuff, and I, I don't question it. It's right there on the Wikipedia page, you know, and there's never anything fake on the internet, but I couldn't have told you anything she's ever done. Okay. I mean, attractive lady, no question, but tell me something Gwyneth Paltrow done. I can't. Yeah. So in my world, she's overrated. I,
1: I, I feel like she's uh, the perfect role for her is supporting actress, you know, but it's been a decade plus. In the Marvel movies, I mean, that's maybe a week's worth of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go overrated as well. I'm going to go overrated.
4: I'll give you one. Okay. And uh, you handed me a CD from this person the other day, and that person would be Carrie Underwood. Oh. Now, let's not quibble here. Attractive lady. Okay, we all get that. I'm looking to see, from a music standpoint... Body of work. Yeah. Okay.
1: I am a firm believer that that girl can sing the phone book. I think she's a phenomenal vocalist. I think she's only gotten better since she won American Idol. I think she's a force to be reckoned with. She's quite the performer as well. I'm going to have to say, right down the middle, a strike.
4: Would you say... That she has probably had the best career of any of the American Idol people. Yes.
1: Yeah, I would too. Kelly Clarkson a close second.
4: Yeah, but Kelly Clarkson has already kind of phased out of her music career, and now she's doing the talk show and everything. Which
1: she sings on every episode. Oh, does she? She does. Okay. Yeah,
4: that's still a thing. Carrie Underwood, to me, has a great range. She can do rock. She can do country. Mm -hmm. She can do Christian uh, that, to me, is impressive, and I'm going to have to take your word for her as, I mean, I've not seen her, like, in concert or anything like that. Did the girls talk highly of her when they came home yes. after seeing her? Yes, they enjoyed her as well. Yeah. Um. I, I would say either down the middle or maybe slightly underrated because of her range. Mm-hmm.
1: Or her last name. Well, Under, yeah. you see the connection there. Under, under, wood, underrated, under.
4: Oh, I see what you're doing. On, I just think under, because she has two O's in her name. Well, that makes that her a success. Bodes well for her success. <laughs>
1: two O's, Chuck Ruby, you're a success. Yes. <laughs> is that our underrated, overrated? I believe it is. I feel good about that. I do too. On a scale of one to ten, one being so completely annoyed, ten being. Oh man, I just love this and I have a whole new appreciation for it.
4: How was your May the 4th? Um 3. About a 3. <laughs> okay. yeah. It it doesn't do for me
1: what it does for you. I loved what you said to me when you walked in yesterday
4: morning. Um I'm driving <laughs> and and this will shock some people. I'm driving on the bypass. And, what? Yeah, I was driving on the bypass yesterday morning, and it gets to six o'clock, and I'm I'm not necess- I'm not listening to the station, but I have the thought, boy, he's going to be fired up today. <laughs> he he is going to be in his element today <laughs> because of the whole May the Fourth be with you, <laughs> and I. I guess you got most of it out of your system before 650 when I come in for sports. I did. That's how much I
1: admire you, that I did not want to be a deterrent to (laughs) what you bring
4: to the room. But you did have your Star Wars garb on. I sure did. I wore the socks, the shirt, and the hoodie. And I, I saw, believe me, I saw plenty of pictures and memes. Now, did you watch the ESPN baseball broadcast last night with the Astros and the Yankees where they had the announcers in costume?
1: I was too busy watching Star Wars to watch that baseball game because it was May the 4th.
4: And which of the Star
1: Wars episodes did you watch? I went with Empire. That's my favorite one. Empire Strikes Back.
4: Now, you did have a line today. Because yesterday, it's May the 4th be with you, yes. and
1: today is... Revenge of the 5th. Yeah. <laughs> Last night's soundtrack while we had dinner, a Star Wars playlist. Oh, the music of John Williams, Chuck Freebie. You want me to send that to
4: you? That's okay. I think I can acquire that <laughs> in many places <laughs> on the internets.
1: Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Leave a review. Send us a message via Twitter. Sports Yak with 2Ks. Now, you're on Twitter, right?
4: Some people follow me at 46 Sports. If just a few more follow me, I'll have 10,000. I don't know if that gets me a blue check mark or not. All right. We'll have to see. Hit the follow
1: button on Chuck at You're 46 on Sports. you Twitter, aren't you? I am. At my name is Corey, Sports Yak with two Ks.
4: Until next time, Yak fans. ooga home run baker. Well, you need to hit some more home runs, you puny little guy, you. We've had some fun, yeah, the show is done.
5: Now we gotta run, it's Sports Jack. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done
1: sports Yak podcast brought to you by look trailers searching for dedicated people to join their team they're hiring immediately for skilled positions including welders starting at 21 to 25 dollars per hour located only 24 minutes from goshen nine minutes from white pigeon michigan visit LookTrailers.com. Looktrailers look trailers is an equal opportunity employer